and welcome to the Business Success Show and you are in for a treat. Stay tuned in. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business Success Show. And today I have the honor of having a conversation with someone who's been an entrepreneur for many, many, many years. And he's going to tell us his background in a moment. So let me welcome him on. Patrick, Patrick Nern's in the house. Patrick, welcome to the Business Success Show. Thank you, Mac. It's a pleasure to be here with you and to, you know, have a conversation with you about how business can be, you know, a wonderful thing for so many people. You know, Patrick, I feel underdressed. You know, you look so sharp. <laughs> you look so sharp, which is fantastic. I love that. Um, Patrick, usually these co- these conversations I like to start with. Um, tell us a bit about your entrepreneurial background. How did you start as an entrepreneur? Was it an accident? Was it a forced thing? You know, what happened and, and what led you to do what you're doing now? Thank you, Matt. Good, really, really good start to that, because that's uh, one of the places where I started was, you know, trying to understand academically where this happened. But I think back and it was really because of my mother. My mother was an incredible entrepreneur. I saw my mother sort of turn really small opportunities that most of us would miss into an opportunity to bring an income. And that happened when I was quite young, uh, around about the age of 10, 12. Okay. And so I, I learned what I didn't realize I was learning. So later on, I went through college, university, all that, and you know, joined the workforce. And there just seemed to be a structure that I didn't really quite fit after a while. I kept thinking, I can do more. I can, uh, you know, there's so much more to me as a person than doing a very limited scope and i loved photography so i jumped first head first into photography after doing some courses i loved that for a long time but i kept thinking i want to scale i want to go to bigger and see more people and help create more lasting change and so i went back to an earlier part of my life and pulled on my teaching skills and said i want to help organizations to adopt a a culture of learning and to help them to sort of see the problems as, well, if we start by educating our teams and showing them how they can actually make things work, mm. then we can get somewhere. So is that your now focusing to, is that, is that known as a corporate trainer? You go into organizations, you educate them, you train them, you coach them. Is that right? Yes, exactly. It's uh, so I'm, I'm more of a consultant because I'm right. being brought in to help them to, to sort of give them advice. But you've hit the nail right on the head there. It's about training, teaching. And why would a company hire you? Is it because they have some kind of a challenge in the organization or they're going through some kind of change or there's some kind of instability? Um, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the main reason why I get brought in is because, uh, and I should just add that my specialism has been within the IT sector. So it's about implementing big software change within an organization. So what will often happen is someone is going to put a, a very large project together. We're going to introduce a new customer service relationship management system. Right. And that's going to change the way we do business. But what will happen is they spend a lot of time putting the software in, making sure it's right. 
and not as much time making sure that the new system is going to work well for the staff that are going to actually use it. So what happens is I get brought in when someone's realized that, well, actually, we do need someone to teach people how to do this because it's going to take a specialism. And so it's really coming in and understanding that training or teaching or showing people the how hasn't mm. necessarily been considered as much. Right, right, right. So that's that's where you come in. Tell us some of the um, challenges or some of the stories you've seen in terms of going in to try and make this change. Do you ever experience any resistances? And you know, What are some of the stories that really create a headache for you at times? Uh, that's a really good, good opening there. Um, in terms of uh, the way organizations think is that there's very often uh, not much time left for when the training needs to take place. And so, for instance, as, as a, a educator, you want to get to grips with understanding what exactly is this organization doing? Because there's a piece of software, but it doesn't mean that everyone is going to use it in the same way. And there are going to be um, hurdles around the way that people previously worked in a system and the way they're going to be expected to work now. So there's not just a change in the software, it's a culture change. Right. It's helping people to understand that they've got to just think really differently. So there's been times when I've been brought into a project and uh, one project should normally take me maybe about six weeks to, to deliver on. And I've been asked to do this in just about a week. Wow. <laughs> so you turn up and um, someone says, well, we actually want you to train 50 people in our customer service team. And by the way, you know, you've only got uh, a week to do it in. Like, well, normally it would take me, uh, you know, sort of a certain amount of time to get used to the new system just by itself. But, you know, that's been a fun example. How do you handle something like that, especially you being hired as a consultant? And, we, you know, we've got lots of consultants on here. We've got lots of coaches, got lots of small businesses listening in. You've been hired as a consultant. Obviously, you want the work. You want to do the project. You know it's going to take five or six weeks. They say they've only got a week. How do you handle that? Do you say, okay, I'll give it the best shot and do the best you can? Or do you actually say, is this not going to work? We've got to review it or whatever. So my approach to any sort of challenge like that is always to look at it from the perspective of what can be done in a week. So I would always say, well, yes, what you're asking for might not be able to be done in a week. However, here's what we could achieve if we only had a week. Here's what we could achieve if maybe we pushed the boat out a little bit and said, well, look, you know what, Patrick, you can have two weeks. And here's what the wonderful picture landscape would look like if I had the time I needed. And ultimately, it comes down to the client to make that decision, because what I want them to understand is, yes, I can help you, but how much help do you really want in this moment? And leave that decision with them. But I just make sure that they have a clear understanding of, if I have time, this is what we can, this is the masterpiece we can paint. But if, right. if you really just want me to, to do it in a week, well, maybe it's going to look a bit more like a, a cartoon uh, you know, but, but that's so, what you get when you... so you can have the picasso if you do it my way <laughs> or you can have the five-year-old uh, <laughs> yeah. kindergarten drawing i get it i get it that's it that's it what is your um what is your patrick what is your preferred or your best method for winning new business that you found over a number of years you know as a consultant how do you get more and more work or, or get booked always through word of mouth and relationships. 
So for me, what I found is that uh, when you're working with agents, that's a, a really good option. But what happens is throughout your working history, you're going to find that there's relationships that you build. There are going to be people who you would have worked with and you probably didn't realize the impact that you had on that person when they saw your work ethic, when they realized that you're the kind of person that just gets it done no matter what the problems. You don't raise a lot of complaints. You, you kind of make it happen almost like magic. They look at you and they think, wow. And what I've always found is those are the things that come back in a circle, in a cycle. Because I've looked after that person by doing what I do best, it's made the right impression. And so that would be my number one way of, of um, and preferred way of getting work is the people that have experienced me before and have felt, you know what, that guy's got a little bit of magic. Let me, let me, let me help him to help someone else. And I then after that, that, it's agencies. Right, right, right. You know, I love that, you know, word of mouth. And someone can only speak highly of you and recommend you if they've actually witnessed the way you work. So what yeah. that says to me, Patrick, is that as a, as a person, as a business owner, as a human, do good work, have good yes. character, be determined, yes. be yes. A, a whatever it takes person because people are watching regardless. And yes. you may come across those people in five years' time, 10 years' time, 20 years' time, and they may, they may recommend you because of your good character. I love that. That's fantastic. And it's a set, you, you and I have the same kind of work ethic. You know, I, I yes. bumped into someone last week, in fact, and I hadn't seen him for 17 years. Wow. 17 years. And, you know, we did some business together and – he did some business for me. I paid him, all good. Other people stitched him up. It didn't go very well. And mm -hmm. he reminded me of that situation where he actually needed it, and I honoured my word, and I did everything. And now we're doing some business together because wow. of it. So yeah. I, I totally, yeah. totally agree with you, that word of mouth. And, you know, word of mouth related to what you said, relationships. Yes. Build relationships. And I've had to, you know, as a... As a trainer as a coach as a business coach i've had some of the same relationships for the last almost 20 years now where yes. we keep doing business together because everybody wins right exactly it's got to be a win-win situation anything you want to say about win-win relationships or in win-win situations yes for sure i i think win-win is the basis of how i do everything because i'm always trying to understand first what would make my client win? And part of my strategy, how I actually get what I get done and help people to move forward is to ask them at the very beginning, who wins when you win? Mm. You know, when you start to look at your business, your service that you provide, why are you doing it? And who actually wins when you win? And the answer to that tells me a lot about the relationship, how it's going to develop. Because if I understand that there are a few key people who win, or there are some major players who win, and it's not just the individual themselves, then I know that they're going to do a lot more than they would do. Because as people, we tend to do more for others than we do for ourselves, right. particularly when those people are close to us. So win-win for me really is all about when I look at this, I try to think, well, what does my client really want? When times are tough and I'm thinking about maybe 
thinking about there's a there's another solution that i could be doing which might be quicker but it's not going to give the, the best result then i come back to that well who wins when my client wins so win-win is everything and it's really the foundation of what i do when i'm working with any client yeah and i, I love that. that that's that's so 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 key you know in business and we have different listeners people we've experienced different experiences on what and and Often in business, there will be adversity. There will be some mm -hmm. kind of challenge. There will be some obstacles. Can you give us an insight of maybe a big challenge that you've had in the past, how you overcame it, and maybe what you learned from that? Uh, yeah, because I'm always fascinated at how, how people overcome challenges and then and, and continue to move on, Where there, whereas there are some people who have a challenge, give up. And, and they're not determined or persistent to move forward. Yeah, that, that's one of the, the things that drives me, actually, is, is recognizing that, firstly, not everything is going to go right. Now, you start off with your career, and if I take you back, this is just going back to before I made a decision to, to do what I do now. I was actually trying to be incredible as being a photographer. And one of the things that can happen, uh, as we've seen through the, the last few years, is the rug can be pulled out from under your feet at any time. Right. Now I'm just going back to when, uh, you remember the good old days of when we used to put a roll of film in a camera? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some people may not remember that, but um, there was a time. Just look it up on, on Google. And <laughs> what you'll see is that, um, you know, the, the, the way that we had to work in that time was very much around cost being everything. You had to make sure that each, because you're dealing here with, with, with a, a a quantity, right? You can only take a certain amount of shots on each roll of film. And so you, you get really focused in on that. Now, what started to happen was uh, technology came along, digital cameras. And so clients stopped hiring me because they were giving a digital camera. Um, and if I just put a context around it, I was working with estate agents and people in the architectural photography industry. Right. So uh, when they were selling a property, they would say to the, the salesperson or the estate agent, just, just take a few shots on this um, camera. And they would take a photo and it was good enough for the end result. And so I started to see a, a sharp decline in the number of calls I was getting. Wow. And what I had to do in terms of dealing with that was I could you know, complain and say, well, you know, the, the system's changed and people don't want photography anymore. The, the fact was they, they wanted photography, they just wanted it done in a way that suited them. And so I started to get myself trained up on digital photography. I started to change my pricing model. I changed the way that I was focusing on my effort. And I started to focus on, well, actually, what does the client need? And so I went from taking needless photos to being very, very specific on the number of photos that we were going to take and just start to look at it from a different angle, not what I was losing, but what were the opportunities? What could I do differently? Wow, that, that's philosophical as well as wise in the sense that you had to pivot or get left behind. And yes. what I love about what you just shared was, because I've never even thought about that till you mentioned it, the amount of people who were maybe in the same shoes as you who were great photographers. And I remember the, you know, rolling in, you have to be precise and you, so it's limited. So you don't want to do, go through 24 or 36 clicks just like that. But with the advent of digital cameras, they can do it themselves. They don't need you. But you're yeah. saying, okay, yeah. I have some expertise. 
How, can, how do I reposition that expertise and still get paid for some great service? That is amazing. So the lesson for our listeners here is whatever you're going through, and maybe it's not working this way. And what Patrick, I heard you said is, huh, I stop for a moment and think, what does this client actually need? What do they need? And let me provide that rather yes. than me. And sometimes what I, I found, Patrick, is some people, yeah, they have a product, they're trying to force it to the market, it's not selling, yeah. and they're not ready to shift because they, and they'll go on for a year. And if it's, if the marketplace says, actually, if they're not buying it, that means there's no demand for it. That means if your competitors are still in the same boat, it's time to shift. It's time to pivot. Yeah time to do something yeah. else. Fantastic. You know, as well as, um, Patrick, the work you do and, and as a consultant and being pulled in to, to, to help out these large corporations, what, how do you balance that work with your own, you know, in your spare time? And in your spare time, what do you love to do, by the way? Let me just ask that. Family, family, family. Right. The, the thing about... Um, when we say spare time, I like to think of it this way, that we don't really, you know, spare time is a bit like saying spare change, right? Mm. We don't really have spare time. You know, we have what time we have on this planet. And mm. what we need to do is really start from an early point in life to realize that it's a finite cake. And we need to now start to position things with a, a real critical level of importance. And so for me, the key thing that I, I, I know my contribution will be remembered by people who probably have never met, but the people who will, who will mean the most to are the people who were closest to me, who saw the mm -hmm. ups, saw the downs, saw the pain, saw the sacrifices, and know what it meant to me to have achieved what I achieved. So it's really about giving back to those people to say, you know what, I, I know you didn't notice that I uh, saw what you did for me the other day, but I know, and I'm going to, Make sure that I spend time with you so that we can do the things that we do all of this for. That's really what it's all about. And what is your family situation in terms of, you know, you know you've got children, you're married. What's the, what's the dynamics? So that, that's a, an interesting one. So I don't have any children myself. I'm not currently married. I have lots of uh, nieces and nephews. I have cousins. I have brothers and sisters. Yeah. I have brothers from other mothers and I have sisters right. from other mothers. And it's, right. it's really about understanding that these people are the, the driving force for what I do. Because I know uh, whoever lasts longer, one of us is going to be saying wonderful things about the other. And so I just really love the extended family and knowing that there are lots of people out there who I'm doing this for. And you know, you know what, just by the way you do things and your insights you share with us, I'm, I'm thinking your, your, your nephews, your nieces, we're thinking Uncle Patrick, Uncle Patrick this, Uncle Patrick that. Because I think you, you are a living example of what good character is. So good for them, good for them. And at the end of the day, like you said, when we do, it is a finite time. What is it you want to be remembered for? You know, and if you you are doing good every single day, people will witness that. So I I I I love that. And you, um, apart from family, uh, yeah, you, know, you said family three times, so it's very much family <laughs> and taking care of family. Um, so often I ask others, you know, do you get involved? What what do you do in your other pastime? Whether it's some people love golf or swimming or whatever, 
for me it's martial arts every whenever i get a spare moment it's martial arts training martial arts training martial arts, that's what i've done for 40 years and for, yeah. and i agree with family often my 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 whole thing revolves around my family my decisions and work and business revolves around my family what do you do for yourself for me it is as i said martial arts yeah so for me when when i really want to go inwards uh -huh. is when i i firstly like to listen to incredible motivational speeches and uh les brown is like one of my particular favorites and I meditate for myself, but I also like to go out sometimes and I love to travel. Right. Now, I love particularly to travel within the UK. So I do travel a lot to different places within the UK just to to get a sense of what this country is is really like. This is where I've made most of my contribution so far. And it's right. about really understanding those people. But I also travel abroad as well. But um, travel is a big thing for me because we live in a time now where to get from one part of the world to the other. We, we're talking hours. Yeah. Like, years ago, it used to take months. You know, if someone wanted to travel to, say, Thailand, it would be months of their life. And they yeah. don't, they don't, no certainty they would even get there. But so, so I love traveling and um, I love incredible stories, particularly stories of how people triumph over circumstances and how, you know, that, that spirit of never give up. That, that's that's the sort of stuff that I love. So yes, I love, um, you know, watching a good movie every now and again. But if I can, I like to see a live performance because that is when it's at. Wow, well, you you shared some things that are similar to me. I love live perform performances, whether it's um, theatre, whether it's football. There's nothing that beats live and live environment rather than recorded or television. Um, the UK has many beautiful places. I remember last summer, I took the family, we went around Cornwall, we went around Wales, and just because we didn't want to fly. And um, yeah. thought, how yeah. can we be missing this all these years? So, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> places. So I agree with you totally. Now, Patrick, for those who want to connect with you, possibly learn more from you, or possibly help them with their people change environment, What's the best way uh, for people to connect with you? Now, the best way I would say right now is through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So um, just jump on LinkedIn. Patrick Nairn uh, is the search. It's at Patrick Nairn. And you'll be able to find me there. Just connect. I'd love to connect with your, your audience, Max. Some wonderful, beautiful people. Um, I'm sure that we can all together just change our little part of the world and, and take business to a, a level where we start to just do the things that we dreamt we could do when we were younger. Fantastic. Patrick, at Patrick Nern. That's Patrick, N-A-I-R-N-E. Uh, so reach out to him. Have a conversation because that LinkedIn is all about networking anyway. So just have a conversation. You never know where it leads. Now, you've been listening to and watching the Business Success Show with Patrick Nern and the business coach, uh, Mac Atram. And uh, if you've enjoyed any part of this, Put a comment in. Tell us what you've what you've learned from there. Make a comment about your own experience in these arenas that we've discussed. Give a thumbs up. Also, follow and subscribe if you haven't done so already. The reason why I say follow and subscribe is because when we have these conversations, you will be the first to notified that there's some new content. Have a watch. Have a listen. 
and get involved. So Makat from here. Hey, Patrick, any last words before we sign off here? Any, any last words that maybe have come to your mind that I haven't asked you, but obviously makes a difference to other people, other small business owners and other entrepreneurs that you think, oh, this could, this would be useful. Well, firstly, thank you, Mac, for putting this on. I mean, this is a wonderful way to engage. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to your audience. And the one thing that I would say to anyone out there who's wondering, you know, when is my opportunity going to come? Mm. I've been working really hard. I've been sacrificing. I've been doing uh, all of these courses. I've been learning from all of these great mentors, listening to really motivational messages. The one thing that I want to say to you is just, Remember that what you're building, what you're creating is a bit like what Les describes as the bamboo shoot. Mm. You know, the roots are being built underground, out of sight, where other people cannot see it. It's being watered every day for maybe five years it takes. And then out of what seems to be overnight to everyone else, you grow and you blossom. And it's the result of all of that hard work. So every time you're going through something that you think it should be my time now, just remember the roots might need to go deeper because the height at which you're going to soar really needs deep roots to support it. So do not, whatever you think in any moment, do not give up. Continue to see where you want to go. Don't worry about where you are right now. Just see where it is that you're going and stay true to that. Wow. Final words. Well said. I could not say any better. Patrick. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you so much for adding so much value and sharing a lot of yourself that we can learn from. And look, if everybody had good character just like you and was determined and never gave up, I think the world would be a better place. And it's us as individuals that make that happen. So thank you again until we speak. God bless you. And I look forward to catching up with you again next time. Bye for now. Thank Bye. you, Mike.